Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yeah! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense. That he has committed only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio coming at you guys from a very wet Phoenix, Arizona. Lots of flooding. I don't think we did a good job when we uh, set up the infrastructure of this city on uh, dealing with the flooding no. issues. Yeah. Sort of the older areas. The newer areas are okay, but... Decent. Yeah. Yes, <clears throat> decent. So uh, coming at you guys from Phoenix, Arizona, we've had uh, a time... I was. Coming back from Kauai uh, for a mission for our church plan out there, and I saw a news report that said that we were going to get all the rain from like a hurricane or something mm-hmm. that was coming to the Pacific. It's going to go all the way up to Las Vegas. So I was uh, kind of excited about that. I love the rain. Yeah. I love it when it yeah. rains here in Arizona. When it rains, it really rains here in Arizona. Man, does it ever rain. Mm-hmm. And uh, surprising, actually, in the desert. Yeah. yeah we, it just doesn't last long. We get some serious rain and floods and. It's wild. I had actually run across town last night to get my wife and my son, who I apparently thought he was going to die in a flood. He had to pull the car over. It couldn't get out of the water. And uh, he, I guess he thought, um, he was like, dude, you got to come save us, Dad. Oh, my gosh. Please come save us. Is that Sage? I think, no. Yeah. <laughs> my 10-year-old. I, actually, uh, I'm Jeff the Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. Let's join the girl. Apologia oh. Radio. ApologiaStudios.com. That's where you go to get more. I think that Stellar, my 10-year-old, I think he was legitimately traumatized i th- i honestly think that he has ptsd because from the, the nuclear attack mm, yeah yeah and, uh, when we were in Kauai, yeah. we were in Kauai when the uh, ballistic missile warning coming in came into our phones and not said from the president that's right he said <laughs> yeah he said this is not a test you know uh ballistic missile inbound to hawaii this is not a test so he was there when that happened and every time now that that stupid yeah. thing goes off yeah. on my phone. I'm telling you, Stellar, he melts. Yeah. And he's like, well, what's I it? was with him one time. Yeah. And something, I don't know what, I don't know what it was, a storm or Amber Alert or something. But he like, as soon as he heard that tone, he just like launched into yeah. the story about yeah. <laughs> the missile. He started, and he started grabbing mattresses and <laughs> yeah. loaves of bread. Yeah. We were throwing the mattresses I mean, on everyone. that's scary for a kid. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that sticks yeah. fresh in your memory. My kids, no, my kids did. A little bit too. They're like, what is that? Oh yeah, but it well, really messed them up. Yeah, well, it's, it's easy to be like, oh well, nothing happened. But you guys actually thought something was going to happen. So. I was throwing uh, 
mattresses and blankets and pillows all over everyone, throwing food in, and we're yeah. running around. He's seriously traumatized. I mean, I was washing my beard, but... Yeah. He was in the shower Classic. just taking his time. If I'm, I'm going out, my beard's going to look nice. I'm going to look hey, good and clean. Going out in style. That's right. Is that so, why you're wearing your rain jacket, though? Because all, yeah, all the rain? Yeah, because all the rain. It's funny. I come in today. It's, it's, it rains, so it's 84 degrees today, and like half uh -huh. the people in the studio are wearing sweaters. Mm -hmm. well, I'm jackets. always wearing a sweater. I know you are, but like I'm like... like <laughs> Sage has on like a Mr. Rogers like, cardigan. Cardigan. I'm like, dude, it's 84 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah. so well, that's cold. I was like, what a, are you talking about? That's the thing about Arizona, right? Is we live in a desert, so the moment we get just a hint of like relief in the weather and rain, or just a hint, when it drops down to like 85 in Arizona, we're like, ooh, winter's coming. Like, you know, that's <laughs> I how mean, I feel. I, I put a shirt on. You get excited. So it was like, yeah, yeah. I was, you know. Also, I'm just gonna say that we keep the studio at like. 68 degrees. We do. <laughs> this is true. We do keep it awfully yeah. cold in here. Yeah. So it might be 84 outside. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like yeah. 60 in here. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome back to another episode of Apology Radio. We have an important uh, episode we're going to do today. We're going to talk today about standards of justice. So God's standards of justice. We're going to talk about uh, the, the Kavanaugh uh, issue, Dr. Christine Ford. We're going to talk about, as Christians, how should we approach this? Because, of course, many of us have been inundated in our uh, feeds and uh, across our platforms with all the discussions, the, the videos from the hearing, and all the news reports, everything, you know, just, I mean, just a wide spectrum of, of opinions. And so we think it's important for us to actually face this issue down like Christians and not sort of be arbitrary in our thinking about it or just apply our own standards, our own thoughts, like the world is doing, we think that we should actually go to the Word of God and ask the question, what does God say uh, in terms of how we're supposed to respond to accusations? Uh, what, what are the rights of the person who's being accused? What's the rights of the victim? So we wanted to do a show today actually talking about the law of God in reference to the Kavanaugh and Dr. Ford um, uh, hearing and situation. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, I want to encourage everybody to go to apologiastudios.com. You can get over, I think, over 300 radio and podcast episodes right now. Go there. I would encourage you to subscribe to us on YouTube, Apologia Radio. Uh, I want to just uh, encourage you to look at it because uh, over all the years that we've done Apologia Radio, we've had some of the best theologians, scholars, scientists on the radio program dealing with a host of different issues. We think it, there, you'll find something there that will really bless you. So go there, subscribe on iTunes, Apologia Radio. Um, also want to encourage you to pray for us for End Abortion Now. Uh, End Abortion Now, God is tremendously blessing. Right now we have close to 300 churches across the United States that are going out and saving children on a daily basis, uh, preaching the gospel outside the abortion mills. And uh, we've been given a tremendous gift by God and honor to go to Australia and New Zealand in the month of November to actually encourage churches out there and equip churches out there to do the same kind of work that we're doing in the U.S. right now, so it's a tremendous privilege and opportunity for us to go do that. I want to say thank you to everybody that actually has given to End Abortion Now uh, over the last two years. We didn't anticipate having this ministry. Mm -hmm. God gave it to us, and He's been blessing it in tremendous ways beyond our own capabilities and our own comprehension. And so I want to thank you all for being a part of it with us. Um, this is, of course, Apologia Studios and the ministry here but it doesn't take place without you. And so I want to thank you for all of your participation, whether it's prayerful, whether it's sharing the content or whether it was giving financially, you made all this possible. You're a part of this ministry with us. So thank you for that. You can't spell um, Apologia Studios without you. That's right. <laughs> 
It's that true. That is true. Yes, yep. that's it's right. It's true. Um, it's true. So we are. <laughs> I checked. Got, I checked. <laughs> that's right. So um, we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to try to condense the episode down today, not to do a two-hour-long episode, but a shorter episode. But before we get into the topic for today and get into the Word of God and talk about all these things, <laughs> let's hand it over to Joy. Um, yeah, I have a really interesting uh, piece of news to bring to you today. It's a okay. little bit older, so maybe you guys have heard about it, but it's in, within the past few weeks. Um, so did you guys hear about, um, Domino's tattoos in Russia? I did hear. Oh no. No. So in Russia, Domino's created this promotion where anyone could get a, a visible oh, yeah. tattoo okay. of the logo. Stop. You can be however you want. I didn't know want. it was Russia. I thought it was here. Stop. No, it was Russia. I, if it was here, I would have done it by now. And Stop. so if you did that, you could get a hundred pizzas a year Yeah. for a hundred years for free. If what? Would, I would have yeah. done it by now if it was the States. This yeah. sounds so Russia. So, <laughs> it sounds right. so Russia. Well, Does it come with wait. vodka? <laughs> vodka? I don't know how they're... What is vodka. pizza like in Russia? Oh. It's probably different a I little bit. Imagine, maybe it's a little different. Yeah. Like even, even, even are they the, big on fish in Russia? They're probably big probably. on fish. Yeah. Like Everybody even in is the, with the States. Even in the UK, like the food is all a little different. Even like yeah, it the is. fast food yeah, and yeah. stuff. Instead of marinara, so, it's, ru- it's just a Russian vodka, vodka poured sauce. over that. Yes. Yeah. Vodka sauce. There you there go. You know. um, anyway, so uh, basically they had people flooded to get this. So people tattoo. actually bought. People did it. It's, yeah, all over, we'll do it. it's all over Instagram. Hmm. People took, people went and got a tattoo of the Domino's logo. A lot of people were like a little bit creative with it and had like a pizza slice and all this stuff anyway. I would have got the Noid. The what? Remember the Noid? Yeah, the What's Noid. From the 80s, remember that the goofy noid. like- Avoid the Noid. Character they had and he it had was like a character that, ears and He's a little like creature a that ears. made your food cold, your you pizza cold. You don't remember the Noid? No. And How so, do I not remember this? I don't know. I, yeah, had little, so, I had a little toy Noid. It was Dom- Domino's. Yeah, it was Domino's, yeah. Domino's said avoid the Noid. Yeah. Order through I Domino's. Um, because your pizza will get there soon and it won't be cold. Oh, okay, okay. The Noid was like yeah. a little... Anyway. I don't remember the creature, I remember but I remember, the, I remember the saying. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so many people did this <laughs> that Russian Domino's couldn't handle it. But they made a promise. So they amended their statement. <laughs> oh, post-tattoo. Yes. Um, so they said that they're sticking to 350 lucky free pizza winners. So if you got the tattoo, you are now <laughs> eligible to be one of 350 wow. people. This was not well that, thought out. No. No. Not at all. Some drunk Be- <laughs> Russian manager was like, this will be a good idea. People, so mm. many people got this. Did Putin get it? I don't know if it's just a, I don't know if it's like a, like if they're trying to give a good news story, so they're trying to make it seem like more people got it than they really did. But I feel like a few people with Domino's tattoos are not going to be getting 100 free pizzas for 100 years. So, okay, so let's think about this for a second. If you get oh, 100 free pizzas, sad. if you get 100 free pizzas a year for 100 years, you could technically survive Oh yeah, as a human. Right. Because, oh, easily, yeah. Yeah, you oh, could yeah. Sa- you technically survive off for of this diet. For the cost of a tattoo. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you'd be going days... Well, you just slice it up and you can just yeah. sparse out the uh, pizza slice slices. It up. Slice it up. <laughs> one, <laughs> just, one pizza every three point. Six, yeah, five just days. you take the yeah. same pizza and just mm-hmm. sort of distribute it over several days. You could literally survive off of Domino's pizza for yeah. the rest of your life. You, you will could. not look well. Well, I mean, what if you you could get like no cheese and just right. like have them pile a bunch of vegetables on it? 
That's not too horrible. No. Keep it to two slices. Yeah. Can you do breakfast pizzas, owner? That's right. Yeah, you can. I don't know. I well, you apparently you can only do it if you're one of the 350 That's winners. That's true. Wow. Otherwise, you just have yourself a very nice Domino's somebody, tattoo. Yeah. Somebody got in a lot of trouble, I imagine, There's higher no, up. like... That's just not something you can go back. <laughs> you literally can't go back on it. Right, right. Like you can't, you have a tattoo forever. So, so are, are there, are Russians as litigious as us in the U.S.? Are they all suing Domino's? Are they allowed to be? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Because in America, Domino's would now be officially oh, yeah. over. We'd be they'd done. be done. Because yeah. there'd be, it would be, they'd be sued by every person that did it. Right. Yep. I imagine they would be. So that's crazy. Anyway, good luck to the 350 people. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to the rest yeah. of you with your That's right. Sorry about that. You're... That's right. So um, I wouldn't. I would never. Do, I wouldn't do it. I, that's. I just. It's wild to actually cut into your body like that for free pizza <laughs> and then end up not getting what you uh, asked for. Yeah, that's a letdown. That's sure. a, a big letdown. So we are going to go ahead and dive right in today to the subject before us. I'm sure that everybody watching this right now or listening to it right now on your podcast feed or whatever, you've all heard something about Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh is a judge. He is the nominee for the next uh, position in the Supreme Court. And uh, shortly before all this uh, took place, uh, we learned of uh, these allegations. Dr. Ford ha alleges that she was sexually assaulted uh, by Kavanaugh. And uh, I think the, and the, the, the dates sort of shifted and changed. So you'll see there were some saying it was early in the 80s and then it was uh, the mid 80s. And so it's kind of gone back and forth. But I believe the date that was settled on was sometime in 1982. Uh, because that's what Do that's what Kavanaugh was actually addressing. So mm. the allegations were that Dr. Ford was assaulted, sexually assaulted by Kavanaugh, I guess around 1982. And the uh, this the challenge in all in all of it is from one aspect of this. People are saying, why did you hold on to this information for so long? Right. Um, and uh, it just seems you know very convenient that you're releasing it right now. And so far from being sort of a, a quote unquote job interview where Kavanaugh has asked questions, this has become a whole debacle related to sexual assault charges. And so everybody knows, and we have to ask the question, how are we supposed to actually engage this? And so I want to say that this is an important question because it goes beyond just our favorite political party and the person that we want in the Supreme Court. Um, can I, we'll just start with this. My problem with this initially is that I know that many people are hopeful for Kavanaugh because they, you know, say he's a pro-life guy. Having a pro-life guy in the Supreme Court might mean the end of Roe. Um, and I know that a lot of Democrats and liberals are saying we cannot have him on the Supreme Court because we're going to lose our abortion rights. Let me just say to the Democrats who believe that, the liberals who believe that, I don't believe you're in any danger in terms of Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court mm. undoing Roe versus Wade. Uh, I think that you're going to maintain your abortion rights with a pro-life person on the Supreme Court um, because we need to remember that when Roe right. passed, it was a Republican-dominated um, Supreme Court. And when Roe passed, we had what many pro-lifers are dreaming of today, a Supreme Court ruled by conservatives, those sorts of things. Well, that's who gave us Roe versus Wade. Um, I don't believe that that's the way to undo Roe versus Wade or to actually end abortion in our country. Uh, even if you had Roe v. Wade overturned by the Supreme Court today, you would still have abortion taking place within the states right. because of the incremental legislation. <laughs> exactly. 
that pro-life groups have put into place. So let me just explain that for those of you who are hearing this for the first time. The pro-life groups have opted for an incremental um, uh, strategy towards ending abortion at the state level. And what they've done is they've actually added restrictions. So they say that abortion shall be illegal except for, and they give you all these you know, different reasons or ways that abortion can still be possible at the state level. What that has effectively done is it's actually put legislation in at the state level that even if you remove Roe, abortion is now legal at the state because of the pro-life legislation put into place that actually specifies how abortions can take place. So they'll say things like, you can't have an abortion under uh, 22 weeks or 20 weeks or whatever. Or or I would say, sorry, beyond beyond, 22 or 20 weeks, which means, ipso facto, (laughs) by logical deduction, you can have at the state level abortions below 20 weeks. Right. And that amazingly is legislation that is often put into place by conservatives, conservative pro-lifers. So when we think about Roe being pushed aside, we need to consider the fact that since Roe began pro-life movement, the pro-life movement has has had an abysmal, uh, disastrous strategy of ending abortion that has actually helped abortion stay legal at the state level. So hear what I'm saying. And help Planned Parenthood monopolize the industry. That's right. So hear what I'm saying, and I don't mean this in any way to cut anybody's throats or hurt anybody here. I just mean this in terms of let's think about it as Christians and be honest with ourselves about effective strategies. Um, If Roe is ended tonight at 8 p.m., abortion's still happening tomorrow in the States because the pro-life movement's incremental legislation. Just consider that. So someone says, well, then what in the world are we going to do? Well, the answer, of course, is for states to actually exercise their state sovereignty. Lesser magistrates. This union, lesser magistrates need to uphold their duties as lesser magistrates and resist the tyrannical, horrible opinion of a higher court, which is not legislation. Roe v. Wade is not legislation. It's an opinion of a court based upon a faulty premise that what's inside the womb is potential human life. So with all that said... I think the big hubbub over Kavanaugh, as many people are thinking, on both sides, Republican and Democrat, they're thinking, if Kavanaugh's in place, we can undo Roe. Now, I think that's an ineffective strategy. I think it goes against how our system of government is supposed to work. Congress makes legislation according to our Constitution, not the Supreme Court. So the states have the right to just reject the opinion of the Supreme Court. And a state like Arizona, our state, can say, we have Arizona Statute 13-3603, that says that abortion is a criminal act. All we have to do in Arizona is the lesser magistrate has to say we're going to uphold 13-3603. Abortion's illegal in Arizona. It's a crime. And we resist the Supreme Court's tyrannical opinion. That's what we must do. So with that said, I don't personally believe there's any threat with Kavanaugh um, in terms of abortion ending in our country. But people believe that on both sides, and I believe that's where the big hubbub is. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week, just... Uh, Doug's article was really great about this where it's it's just it's essentially a war literally a war over worship and so you have the that mean? the left side um, the liberals who are going to go to battle they will fight to the death um, to maintain their ability to uh, worship comfort in this situation you know abortion is, is a matter of worship for them right and so they will go to the mat. They will they will dive. They will you as we're witnessing. They will do anything they possibly can to try to keep that um, option available. And so um, yeah, like you're saying. So they, they in their mind they think the the Kavanaugh becoming uh, or uh, being um, approved to the Supreme Court 
then will end their uh mm-hmm. their ability to uh, abort their children and uh yeah so that's so that's why you're seeing a lot of just evil tactics yeah, you know yeah. and um yeah so joy anything well i just if you're dealing if you're if you're um these are two like separate things like where his ability to uh, overturn Roe v. Wade and a sexual assault are two different things and you're not supposed to um, the sober minded clear thinking person shouldn't let (laughs) um, guilt be determined by uh, the good the potential good or the potential evil that a person can do Um, they can they're like how would you like to be in a courtroom where that happened um if someone was like oh well i have a lot of money so my sexual assault suddenly means less because i can contribute to society that's not how we're supposed to um you know and the general public is obviously not a courtroom Mm -hmm. setting it's not a legal setting but that's not how we're supposed to um form our opinions about people we're not supposed to give people a free pass on sexual assault if they can end abortion and we're certainly not supposed to make false sexual allegations i'm not saying that's what happened here um to keep people from okay so actually what i want to do now is i want to present to you guys just a news clip here it's actually this one's from fox news just an overall picture of what's taken place thus far so you can get a good understanding of uh, some of the witnesses that were questioned uh what uh, dr ford has been saying and so just a, a short clip here just to give everyone an overall picture if you have not been updated from the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol, Edward Lawrence is there. What's uh, going on there, Edward? Well, Neil, yeah, yeah, a very emotional day, obviously, for Christine Blasey Ford as she's giving her testimony on the verge of tears, as you saw several times as she recounted, made her accusation, saying that Judge Brett Kavanaugh, then a teenager and a friend, pushed her into a bedroom, then jumped on top of her, uh, and she says she felt like she was going to be raped. Now, Senator Dick Durbin in the room says uh, that he wanted a clarification of her memory. Listen. Dr. Ford, with what degree of certainty do you believe Brett Kavanaugh assaulted you? 100%. Now, to begin this hearing, the Senator Chuck Grassley, the chairman of this committee, said that they have investigated all of the allegations, including Ford's. My staff reached out to other individuals allegedly at the party, Mark Judge, Patrick Smith, Leland uh, Kaiser. All three submitted statements to the Senate. Under, under penalty of felony, denying any knowledge of the events described by Dr. Ford. Dr. Ford's lifelong friend, Dr. Ms. Kaiser, um, stated she doesn't know Judge Kavanaugh and doesn't recall ever attending a party with him. Now, for her part, the ranking Democrat on the committee, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, defended her actions in holding on to this letter for about six weeks. She reiterated that she wanted this held confidential, and I held it confidential up to a point where the witness was willing to come forward. And during most of this questioning, they turned it over to a career prosecutor who questioned the memory of Ford. Would it be fair to say that somebody drove you somewhere, either to the party or home from the party? Correct. Okay. Has anyone come forward to say to you, hey, remember, I was the one that drove you home? No. She could also not remember where the party was or what date it happened. Neil? 
All right. Uh, thank you very, very much. So there's uh, uh, just a bit of an overview. Ooh. There's more that could be said. I think we need to pay attention, close attention to uh, God's standards here in terms of how do we think through these sorts of things. Because let me just say this. In God's law, God actually upholds both people. One, he upholds the victim in terms of he gives just penalties for those who have been truly violated. So whether it's theft, whether it's rape, whether it's murder, whatever the case may be, God's standards are just. They are good. If you read the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, it says that every violation, every sin that took place received a just penalty. So according to the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 2, I believe it's verse 14, might escape me at the moment. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says in the New Testament, post-cross, post-resurrection, post-ascension, that every crime, every sin received a just penalty. So it wasn't unjust, okay? So God's law gives just penalties. The book of Ecclesiastes says that uh, people's hearts, men's hearts are emboldened to do wickedness when justice is not executed speedily. So when justice is not done in a culture, and a society, when it's not done quickly, um, it says that men's hearts are emboldened yeah. to do wickedness. Yeah. So when we lose God's standards of justice in the world, then we see that people's hearts are emboldened to do wickedness. God upholds both things. One, justice, true justice for the victim, but also, and this is very, very critical, God upholds justice and high standards for the accused. In other words, that whole saying that we have in our culture and society, uh, where it says innocent until proven guilty, uh, you ought to know that that is from the Christian worldview. That is from the biblical worldview. When you look at uh, British common law, when you look at the history of law and what we got in the United States of America, it all traces right back to the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. It, it goes back to the law of God. Christians in history established civilizations and they pointed back to the law of God. Of course, right. I've said this many times before, our first Supreme Court justice. Hey, Supreme Court justice. John Jay was a solid, solid Christian, loved God, was, was heavily involved in missions work and getting Bibles around the world. When John Jay, our first Supreme Court justice, was writing case law in the United States of America and pointing to law, he actually pointed to the law of God in the Old Testament. And so in the law of God, God's law does not permit us ever, does not permit us to receive accusations on the basis of one witness. I'll give you that verse again. I said at the beginning of the episode, it says a single witness, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy 19.1. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. Now, of course, um, when we look at that, we can take the general equity of that law today. Two to three witnesses means two to three independent lines of witness and testimony. So you could, of course, add to that. Um, you could add DNA testing. Uh, that's a witness. You could also add, mm. but we got to be careful with that. It has to be yeah. genuine DNA testing that actually points to that yeah. specific person, not... And yeah. I, I only say this because we know of examples exactly. of DNA testing being used to say, no, it wasn't his, but he, it, it is in the spectrum of men who fall into that category yeah. and people actually being charged because right. of DNA, DNA falls into a spectrum of men. Um, so you got to be careful with that DNA evidence. Even that has to be vetted. Um, so when we say two to three witnesses... The general equity of that would just say two to three independent lines, DNA evidence, of course. The supreme example of today would be video cameras. Yeah. Video camera evidence, of course, counts. So you can have, you know, not just one person, you can also have other witnesses, but God's law does not permit us, does not permit us. It'd be a sin if you did it. Catch that. It would be a sin in God's law for me to receive an accusation against somebody on the basis of a single 
witness, one line of evidence. God says you are not permitted to do that, which means it is a sin to receive accusations on the basis of one person's witness. I think, of course, we need to look at something very critical here. And that's one of the things said in the video. And that is that um, there were uh, three people who were um, who gave uh, sworn statements under penalty of perjury. And they said they had no knowledge mm-hmm. of what Dr. Ford is talking about. Dr. Ford didn't know the day it took place. She didn't even know where it took place. And she has no evidence of a person that drove her to or from this event. So when you talk about one witness, uh, here's a person that says something took place, what was that, over 30 years ago? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and she says she doesn't know when, she doesn't know where, and she has no witnesses to corroborate this event. It's just upon her own memory and her own testimony. And the accused, who is Dr. Kavanaugh, is denying, <laughs> forcefully denying the allegations and trying to provide evidence that it could not have been him. So here's the point. Only God knows. Only God knows the truth about this accusation. And we have to trust the just judge of all the universe who will always do right, that ultimately as Christians, we have complicated situations like this. We have to just err on the side of the accused and say there is not enough witness and testimony to actually receive the accusation. We must trust God as ultimate judge that he knows and that justice will be done. But Mm -hmm. we cannot as Christians receive accusations on the basis of one person's testimony and witness there are other questions that need to come into play here in terms of memory Mm -hmm. Uh, i would encourage you guys to do a study on this it is very very important um it is possible for people to have uh memories memories. false memories um and i'm not saying that dr ford that this didn't happen do you understand my position here is i'm not saying i know I'm not saying that we can ultimately know. What I'm saying is only God knows, but God's standards, his judicial standards for receiving accusations do not permit us to actually at this point receive the allegation. In particular, when you have two to three other witnesses who were supposedly there who say, I have no knowledge whatsoever of this event. So that's a critical point, I think, to make. You guys want to add anything to that? Yeah, just along those lines, I was going to say, you know, this is not us saying, oh, Kavanaugh's innocent. You know, like we, like you said, we don't know, we don't know. for sure what happened. Right. But what this is, is us saying, this is how this process should take place according to God's law. Right. Regardless of who is right or wrong in the situation, the way it's being handled, it, I mean, it's a joke. If any, if anybody watched the the hearing last week, it was right after we did our, our radio show, we went and watched the rest of it, and it was a complete circus yeah i mean i i could not believe what i was watching you know and i mean even when the one guy was like what does boof mean i was like are we is this really happening right now like (laughs) the yearbook stuff yeah i was like come on like so yeah so that's what that's what this this is just us saying this is how this stuff should take place how we're supposed to filter exactly right exactly so go ahead anything no Uh, yeah okay no no, no. i i just agree okay good so um uh deuteronomy nineteen fifteen was the one but I, I just want you to know this is not a matter of proof texting or finding a verse it seems convenient here this is the whole the entire spectrum of scripture testifies to this both old and new now here's what's critical please hear me on this i mean this very humbly whatever your perspective is today on the law of god we are of course those who are in the puritan tradition we believe that the law of god has abiding validity today in the new testament we believe that you have to assume the continuity of the old testament law except where the new testament inspired authors and writers tell you Mm -hmm. there's been a change in administration so for example in the new testament you have new testament authors inspired apostles saying things like ephesians 2 
that the holiness code, the law of commandments and ordinances, that that's now gone, dietary restrictions, those sorts of things, that those are meant to be a dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. But in Christ now, that wall has been broken down and it's gone. It has a purpose. It had a purpose. It was pointing to Jesus, to holiness, to sanctification, to separateness from the world. And now that is done because we have Christ the substance. Um, you also have other examples in the New Testament where we know what, say, the animal sacrifices are for. Christ is the one and only sacrifice. It's a perfect sacrifice. No more animal sacrifices because the substance is here. No more temple, no more high priest, no more of those things because Jesus, the substance is here. The shadow's gone. However, you see the New Testament apostles assuming the law of God all throughout the New Testament. Mm-hmm. A couple examples. One, the Apostle Paul, post-cross, resurrection and ascension of Jesus. So all this is done now. Jesus is on his throne. He actually appeals to an animal husbandry law. That's just crazy. An animal husbandry law from Old Testament law. And that is where he says, don't muzzle the ox while it treads. And he doesn't say, hey, we know the law is defunct and it's all over now, but hey, why don't we try to keep this one? Mm -hmm. He just quotes it like, you're supposed to know this. Don't muzzle the ox while it treads. Guys, that's an animal husbandry law. So how much of the Old Testament law is abiding and valid today in the New Covenant? Well, down to animal husbandry. The general equity of that law is you don't muzzle the ox while it treads, pay the person who is working. That's the point. Um, Another example uh, from the Old Testament into the New Testament is, of course, you have the example of judicial law. And this gets right here to this point we're on now. Two to three witnesses. So example would be in uh, Matthew 18, 16, the text about church discipline. Uh, That's a text where it says, uh, Jesus says, every matter may be established by the testimony of two to three witnesses. Jesus, New Testament, Matthew 18, appealing to the Old Testament judicial law of receiving accusations, two to three witnesses. Um, So you have another example in 2 Corinthians 13, 1. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every every matter must be established by the testimony of two to three witnesses. 1 Timothy 5, 19, after the resurrection of Jesus and ascension of Jesus, Paul tells Timothy, he says this, do not entertain an accusation against an elder except on the testimony of two to three witnesses. Um, So, my point there is is that this is not something you could say, well, that's Old Testament law, doesn't apply. Right. I'm saying Jesus applies it, New Covenant, Paul applies it, New Covenant, that's judicial law in terms of receiving accusations. Notice how that translation says that. I like that. Don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's on the basis of two to three witnesses. So there's God's judicial law in the New Testament. Finally, I'll say this. The Decalogue, the Ten Words, the Ten Commandments, is also assumed in terms of continuity in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul post-resurrection of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6 is where Paul says to children, children, obey your parents in the Lord. He says, this is the first Mm -hmm. commandment with promise. That, of course, is not taking place before the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the outpouring of the Spirit of God at Pentecost. That's occurring long after Paul just assumes its continuity. So my point there is that as Christians, we have a command from God. Do not dare receive an accusation except on the basis of two to three witnesses, which means that we have to say that we take judicial standards seriously in terms of rape. What do we believe here about rape accusations? Uh, He deserves to die. Yeah. Not not just not be a Supreme Court judge. If he's guilty, he deserves the death penalty. Right. That's what I meant by like my yeah. the the separation of the two issues yeah. here, because right. it's not really that <laughs> it's a completely separate thing. Yeah, 
Exactly. And you have to see, hold them in different categories, right? right? We have a hard time in, in this modern time thinking in different categories, uh, but we have to. And I think that it's clear that we have to pay attention to scripture in terms of receiving accusations. And we have to take seriously judicial standards for the woman who is raped. Yeah. I think that our society today does not value the woman and her dignity the same way God does in his law, where he says the person who would go so far as to rape somebody deserves to die. They've forfeited their right to live by committing that crime. And so we say today, well, six months, three months, five years, three years mm. probation. I just saw a news article about a guy that raped like a six-year-old. Six he didn't get the death penalty. He got like a couple years in jail raping a six-year-old. A six-year-old, he deserves to die. So if you guys uh, are listening to this today, maybe you guys, you know, you're atheists or agnostics. You guys are hostile to the message of apology at church. I know you guys are out there. Hello, welcome, we love you. Um, and you're thinking, well, you're just gonna protect Kavanaugh because you guys are those Republican conservatives. A, I don't consider no. <laughs> myself a Republican at all. And B, that's not my point with Kavanaugh. I think that if it's true, he deserves to die. Um, however, I'm saying you cannot receive this accusation according to God because it's on the basis of one witness who cannot get her story even corroborated with independent witnesses. I'm not saying she has no right to say something. I'm saying that if we're mm -hmm. going to investigate, we have to say, I'm not accepting it. I'm not believing you. Prove it. Hey. Mm. Prove it. Mm. And until you prove it, I'm not entertaining it. Right. I'm not going to receive the accusation. I'm not going to assume that you're right. I'm going to assume his complete innocence until you demonstrate that he's guilty. Now we have a system that says when an accusation is made, you are guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. It's literally the reverse. Yeah. We literally have people saying things today like uh, believe victims. Really? Believe all victims? Right. Really? How many, how many uh, uh, news articles do you need me to provide to you when you say believe all victims, showing you women that have, have given false allegations of rape towards men coming out later and saying, I lied. Or a man going to jail for 15 or 35 years. You know these stories that I'm referring to where there's a false accusation of rape. He was in jail, lost 30 years of his life because of a false accusation of rape. Comes out later, he didn't do it. So it, do women and men make false allegations mm -hmm. against one another? Yes. And how about this? We've got a supreme example in the Bible. One of our heroes of the faith, Joseph. He is actually br brought into slavery into Egypt, and he goes into Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife lies and says that he tried to rape her. Yeah, our, One of our biblical heroes received a false allegation of rape. Mr. Potiphar. Mr. Potiphar. Mr. <laughs> Potiphar. Merry Christmas, Mr. Potiphar. Oh, it's getting, it's getting in that it's time of year that again. Time, yeah. That's right. I'm so you're going to be hearing lots of these quotes from us. So here's, uh, unless you guys have anything to add, I'm just going to say one more point on this. I just want to say, this, you see this a lot with, especially with, with athletes. You know, you see a lot of women that make these accusations and they just know a lot of times they just get paid off. Right. They don't yeah, never they go to court. Out, they out court. Out. Yeah. yeah. They, they get money and then they shut them up and they never have to go to court because it's cheaper and it's, it's better for these guys you know reputation if it doesn't go to go to court and stuff and yeah i mean if god like this whole thing you've been saying if if, if god's law was our standard right this wouldn't be happening because there would be real consequences uh for these for women making these false allegations well and also it's important to mention um i'm not i'm certainly not comparing um assault to adultery or sexual mm. immorality but we don't have a good sexual ethic in our country to begin with. Right. We're not following God's law by any stretch right. of the imagination. Right, right. We, like, 
people engage in adultery all the time, premarital sex all the time, and it's actually encouraged, yeah. especially yeah. to women yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but I just want to say that the one thing that the world isn't going to tell you in a situation like this, for fear of sounding like they're blaming the victim, which I would never do. So if you want to say I'm doing it, that's fine, but I would never do that. Um, is that there's no encouragement to to immediately report assaults that happen. Yes. And the reason why nobody wants to say that is because I absolutely understand the the shame and the humiliation that's involved in reporting something like that and having to acknowledge that mm. something like that has happened to you. But um, what we're seeing right now is a bunch of women, whether it's false or whether it's true, they're all coming out and they're saying that they were assaulted by various people mm -hmm. and and there isn't any just there's no real justice mm. in our world justice is being being slammed by public opinion mm -hmm. if that now just everyone knows but that's not real justice that's not the justice that god calls for for the person that commits right. an assault a yeah. sexual assault right. he calls for them to die he doesn't yeah. say oh and everyone right. will just know and think really poorly of you and you'll you right. won't get any more brand deals right. or book deals that's right so we're completely like I, I don't believe the lie that that encouraging an assault victim to report is victim blaming. It doesn't put there's there there isn't a responsibility on the victim to report, but they should. Mm. Um, and and the the reason is that if you want justice, that is how you're gonna do it. Yeah, that's how you're gonna maintain evidence those independent lines of testimony. Yeah. And so I'm not trying to sound callous or cruel or by any means say that if if you are assaulted that you have to report. Um, now I do think there is a little bit, there's something a little bit different um, just with, she, she uh, Ford was mentioned, she was quoted as saying, um, you know, once I saw that he was gonna be in this position, I realized like everyone needs to know about this. Mm -hmm. But the point, so, so that's all, at face value that makes a lot of sense but it doesn't really because he deserved mm. if it really happened mm. he deserved justice back then back not then. just when he was going to become Supreme a part Court. of yeah yeah so it it just well, I, I say all that just to help you guys think a little bit more clearly about yeah. what's happening in our country about what's what's going on with situations like this um and how they they don't provide the sexual ethic and the justice that we call justice doesn't provide anything for the victim, really for most victims of anything, but specifically the victims of sexual assault. And it's interesting too, in the in God's case law in the Old Testament in reference to rape, there are several examples of like what to do in the case of mm -hmm. rape. And there's even an example of a person who is raped um, away from people, right? you know, and, and no one's there to witness it. Right. And what's amazing about God yeah. is he actually encourages mm -hmm. in his law, he tells the woman, cry out, yeah. Yeah. meaning go and report yeah. this. So that God removes the shame yeah. from the victim in reporting, like, uh, you know, like you'll feel dirty, you'll feel foul, you'll feel, you know, whatever the case may be, God's telling the woman, you have a responsibility at, at, to, to make sure that people know, you bring people into this with you. The community is supposed to get, supposed to gather around the woman for protection when she's raped. Yeah. The 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 rape victim is to be held as supremely valuable and protected and with dignity. And so it's because it, she hasn't. There is no shame. He no. doesn't just say, 
oh, there was shame, but I'm taking it away. Right. What he's saying is there, it, you did nothing wrong. Right. So there is nothing for you to make up for. There right. is no, there's nothing that even needs to happen. Right. Here. Yeah. Um, and I'm certainly not speaking in an emotional capacity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of the law, you're not guilty in any way. Right. There's no guilt that's removed. Right. If you're the victim of an assault, you are, you are just, you're not, you are without shame. That's right. And so the call for God is to, is to, is to actually not hide this, but report. Right. And, and, and uh, there's protection for the victim at that point. So here's what's, another, another element of protection in God's law in terms of the judicial system. Don't receive accusations of, unless there's two to three independent lines of witness and testimony. Um, but then in that same text, Deuteronomy, it's the same text. Deuteronomy 19:15 was a single witness will not suffice against a person for any crime. But in that same text in verse 17, it says this, um, no, 16. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently. And if the witness is a false witness, so there's, there's we have the cross-examination. Mm-hmm. So the right. whole idea of cross-examination is right here in the text. Diligent, you actually question the witness, cross-examine them. And it says this, the judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Mm. So it's powerful. There is actually a protection within God's judicial system, a protection against malicious witnesses, because now the the person who in God's system knows this. I better know this is true. It better be right because if I stand right, here in exactly. this courtroom and it's found out that I am lying <laughs> about this whole thing, then I'm going to get whatever he was going to get, yeah. which means if it was theft, I have money's coming out of my pocket now. If it was rape, I'm dying. Yep. So false accusations in God's court, God says, well, you're going to get what this person would have got. And so God's law says two to three witnesses. If there's a malicious false witness who's falsely accusing somebody, that person gets what the other person would have gotten. And then here's the standard that is so often, it's so often misunderstood by Christians. And here's the standard. Verse 20, and the rest shall hear and fear. Do you get it? That's the point of this is to cause fear to fall on everybody. Don't you dare be a false witness in court. The point of it is to cause fear and shall never again commit any such evil among you. Your eyes shall not pity. So God says this, do not pity the person who's a malicious <laughs> false witness that ends up punished for it. God actually says this, I command you not to have any pity for that person. That's actually tough to do. If you think about it, as an image bearer of God, I know this person's lied. I know they could have gotten this person killed, but now they have to die. God says this, you are not to show any pity hmm. to the person who went so far as to falsely accuse somebody. No pity. You must hold justice high at that point. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. That means equal scales, equal justice. It's right in the context of life for life, eye for eye, of a malicious witness accusing somebody else maybe of rape that's false. This person would have died. And so now this person is going to get it. And that's eye for eye, equal justice. You were going to get him killed. Now you're going to die. Equal scales, equal justice. People say, but I thought Jesus abolished all that. No, he <laughs> did not. In uh, the Sermon on the Mount, 
Did he abolish, like, what about the part where he says that an assault victim is right is without shame right Did, was that is that, that part go out too yeah, right like because yeah that's a problem right and how and and also it's interesting don't you think it's interesting that jesus quotes from this text two to three witnesses and says this is how you're to handle church discipline right. so apparently he didn't abolish the law because he appeals to it in mm-hmm. church discipline uh but what's interesting is in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and uh, those things. Um, he says, but I say to you, don't return evil for evil. If somebody strikes you on your right cheek, turn to him on the other. Jesus was referring there to their first century perversion of the judicial law where they were using it for mob justice. They were using it as an excuse to retaliate. And they mm-hmm. say, hey man, this guy did it to me, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, sucker." I'm going to get you, right? They were using it as retaliation. They were using it in a judicial sense for the courts to actually establish equal weights and justice for eye for eye, tooth for tooth. They were saying, I'm going to retaliate. I'll return fire. Proof is that Jesus says, if somebody strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. Right-handed culture. I've said this many times before. It's a right-handed culture. They constant references in the Bible to the right hand because that was the right-handed, like that's how they reference things, the right-handed culture. So Jesus says, if somebody strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other. How would you hit somebody in a right-handed culture on the right cheek? You'd have to backhanded Mm. slap them. So Jesus says, turn the other cheek. If somebody gives you the insult, they try to denigrate you, just turn the other cheek. Don't return the insult, don't return fire. Has nothing to do with God abolishing his standard of justice. Are we really, I gotta say the last thing, are we really gonna suggest are we seriously going to suggest that the God of the Bible, the holy and just God, has now abandoned his commitment to just standards? Are we really going to say that God no longer cares about equal justice, which is what eye for eye means, equal justice? Are we really going to suggest that God has abandoned the idea of equal justice? I don't think so. Not the judge of all the earth who is a perfect judge. No way. Um, I'm going to play one more thing unless you got something. Well, I was going to say, he, Christ didn't say that he abolished the law. He said he fulfilled it. Right. And that's where there's confusion for whatever reason. A lot of people assume or say that Jesus said that he came to abolish it. And he even says, no, I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill, fulfill it. it. Yeah. And he says, if anybody teaches anybody, mm. anyone to um, disobey even the least of these right. commandments, it'd be called least in the kingdom of God. Right. So that's how Jesus feels about the law of God. And I think we ought to feel the same way. Um, let me go ahead and just play. I'm going to play a clip here. This is from Ford. And this was in reference to the polygraph. Um, this is important. And this is where I think we could probably have a good conversation. So the issue of polygraph. Let's say somebody makes <laughs> a false accusation against Pastor Luke. Someone makes an accusation. Well, I won't say false accusation. Let's say somebody makes the accusation and they've got no other witnesses. It's just the lone witness against Pastor Luke. Pastor Luke, according to God's law, has absolutely no requirement, obligation, or duty to even help them in any way. They're the accuser. He is to be seen innocent until proven guilty, which means they have to prove the case. He does not need to assist. Because if he's truly guilty according to God's law, you don't need his help. The other witnesses and evidence demonstrate his guilt. So in God's law, you ever hear the statement we have in the United States, you have the right to remain silent? Uh, That's because God's standards, his, his judicial standards say this, you don't have to help your accuser. Which means if somebody makes an accusation against Luke or Joy or me, my mouth stays shut. This is essentially what it's like. You think I'm guilty? You think I did this? 
It's your job to prove it. Well, Jeff, I'd like to ask you some questions. Nope. I don't, I, I don't, have, I don't have to assist you in any way because mm -hmm. if you really think I'm guilty and you say I've done this, then you have to demonstrate it with the two to three independent lines of witness and testimony, so go for it. I don't have to offer you any assistance whatsoever. So this question of polygraph... Well, really quickly, we're not talking about like all of us having done things that are really, really wrong mm -hmm. and then just being like... Mm -hmm. No, I'm going to get away with it. No, That's no, no. not the we've context had this, We've had this happen at the mill, at the abortion mill, <laughs> right. where the police have come, yeah. you know, and they try to get you to to say something to incriminate you, and we're right. just like, oh. Not going to answer that. Yeah. Uh, so, and here, here's... here's this, is in, this is a... The example is protecting yourself. Right. Not yes. protecting your guilt. Yeah, the, right. uh, necessarily. Exactly. <laughs> what I'm saying there is the accused, <laughs> according to God, has rights. And the right is to be seen as innocent until proven guilty. And he has the right to actually not help the accuser because the accuser, right. if it's true that you're guilty, you don't need the person who's accused to help you. You already have the evidence that demonstrates the guilt. So that's where we get the idea of the right to remain silent. That doesn't come from atheism, friends. That comes from the Christian worldview. Um, but this whole issue of polygraph, I think, is really important to talk about. You don't hear a lot of Christians talking about this, and uh, I think it'd be good to talk about. Um, we've been pastors for a long time, and we've had instances where we've had to help people who have gone to court. I've had to go and testify in court uh, for people. I've had to write letters to judges, um, and uh, we started off as, as that drug church in Phoenix, so a lot of people who were dealing with the courts and uh, under threat of imprisonment, all those things. I've had to beg judges for mercy. Um, we've also had situations where we've had people accused of things and polygraphs were mm -hmm. used. And I want to say this, I would, I think I would, uh, I would generally tell anybody, um, do not take a polygraph. It's not necessary and not helpful because I give you one example of a person who was falsely accused. They did three polygraphs. The first polygraph, interestingly, the polygrapher said, um, I will go before a judge in any court and I'll put my entire career on this. This person did not do this. Absolutely no question. He'd been doing it for like 40 years. And he said, this person did not do it. I will stand before a judge and tell them you are out of your mind if you, if you let this person go to, to jail for this, essentially. And so that was the first polygraph. Absolute 100% not guilty. Second polygraph <clears throat> was... We don't know, right? Yeah. Wasn't mm -hmm. it? We don't know. It was confusing, yeah. right? Well, yeah, and so, <clears throat> excuse me. The, I mean, the first one, the judge wouldn't even look at. And this right. is where I know you you have more to say, but what we're learning is that ultimately polygraphs are completely subjective to the judge, essentially, yeah. or the jury, because uh, the judge wouldn't even look at that one. Um, but then these other ones, they the state did essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and the first one was inconclusive. Yeah. So the state yeah. did them as inconclusive, and the third one was guilty. Yeah. So check it out. Three polygraphs taken on the same person. First one, 100% did not do it. No question. Not guilty. Second one, inconclusive. Third one, guilty. Literally three all different results. Not guilty. We don't know. Totally guilty. Three. They're yeah, and, so they're the, notoriously unreliable. Yeah. I'm amazed that anyone even yeah. is using them anymore. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say in the inconclusive one, he, this person was asked questions that there was not a right answer to. Yeah. Right. Like they, they could not have possibly answered it truthfully the way the questions were worded. And then it came back as inconclusive and it was just a was trap it, to get was them. It, the, was it the kind of question like, have you stopped beating your wife? Yeah. It was like, did you, <laughs> yeah. Right. Was ultimately wait, this, wait, this person was yeah. innocent of what they did. They didn't do it. And the question was like, did you mean to do it? 
Yeah. He's like, well, they didn't do it to begin with. Right. Did you yeah. mean to do it? Yeah. Unbelievable. So anyway, I wanted to play this clip. I'll try to go through this quickly. This is uh, Ford on why she decided to take a polygraph test. Um, there's a reason I'm playing this. So just listen. Flake, uh, Ms. Mitchell for Senator Flake. Thank you. Um, in we've heard this morning uh, several times that you did take a polygraph, and that was on August the seventh. Is that right? I believe so. Is the day I was flying from BWI to Manchester, New Hampshire. Okay. Um, why did you decide to take a polygraph? Um, I didn't see any reason not to do it. Were you advised to do that? Again, you're, you're seeming to call for communications between counsel and client. I don't think you mean to do that. If you do, she shouldn't have to answer that. Could, would, counsel, uh, could you let her answer the extent to which she do, do, doesn't violate the, the relationship between you and Dr. Ford? Say what you wonder. Based on the advice of the council, I was happy to undergo the polygraph test, although I found it extremely stressful, much longer than I anticipated. I told my whole life story, I felt like, but I endured it. It was fine. I understand they can be that way. Um, have you ever taken any other polygraphs in your life? Never. Okay. Um, you went to see a gentleman by the name of so, Jeremiah uh, Hannafin. This was, um, and they, they, you can <coughs> find this online, Ford on why she decided to take polygraph tests. So she's questioned here, have you ever taken one in your life? She says no. Then she asked, did you receive any um, uh, assistance or uh, any encouragement on how to take the test? She said no. And she said, have you ever given anybody advice before? on taking a polygraph uh, test, she says no. So what's interesting here is that she was asked, um, did anybody coach you? She said no. She said, have you ever taken one before? No. And she said, have you ever given anybody any advice on taking a polygraph? She said no. Now, Dr. Ford is a psychiatrist. Right. Right? So uh, this is from the New York Post. She's not. She's not a psychiatrist. She's, she, is played, she has a degree in psychology. A degree in okay. psychology. In that, California, there. she is not a licensed Okay, there you go. Okay. So that's, I knew that the doctorate was in psychology. Okay. That's what that's what I meant. She's yeah, she's yeah. a doctor so of psychology. Doctorate in psychology. Mm -hmm. So um, the this is from New York Post. Ex-boyfriend's letter prompts Grassley to question Ford's truthfulness. An ex-boyfriend of Christine Blasey, Blasey Ford uh, reportedly wrote a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee contradicting her testimony last Thursday on polygraphs, prompting Senator Chuck Grassley to raise doubts about her truthfulness. The man who says he dated Ford from 1992 to 1998, wrote in the letter that he once saw Ford help ease the nerves of a friend preparing to take a polygraph by explaining in detail what to expect and how they work. Now, it's interesting. Uh, this is, of course, a witness saying his perspective. Mm -hmm. But just in terms of, of, of putting these parts and pieces together, here you have a person who is saying that she he, as her boyfriend, witnessed her actually 
coaching somebody mm. on taking a polygraph. Right. So it's just in terms of 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 interrogating a witness. I'm not saying you can receive that allegation. I'm not saying it's absolutely true because the boyfriend said it. What I'm saying right. is that you start to interrogate the witness. You start to listen to other parts and pieces. You start to raise questions. Is this right. person actually telling me the truth? Because this seemingly is a little off. Now, this is another example of something that's been heard, I think, a lot. Um, and I think it's important to listen to because it goes to credibility of witnesses and whether somebody's telling the truth and they're always telling you the truth. This is Dr. Ford question about her fear of flying. May I ask Dr. Ford, how did you get to Washington? In a airplane. Okay. It's, I asked that because it's been reported by the press that you would not submit to an interview with the committee because of your fear of flying. Is, is that true? Well, I was willing, I was hoping that they would come to me, but then uh, realized that was an unrealistic request. It would have been a quicker trip for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, that was certainly what I was hoping was to avoid having to get on an airplane, but I eventually was able to uh, get up the gumption with the help of some friends and get on the plane. When you were here in uh, the mid-Atlantic mid area back in uh, August, uh, end of July, August, how did you get here? Also by airplane. I come here once a year during the summer to visit my family. Okay. I'm sorry, not here. I go to Delaware. Okay. Um, in fact, you fly fairly frequently for your hobbies and your, you've had to fly for your work. Is that true? Correct, unfortunately. Um, you, you were a consulting biostatistician in Sydney, Australia. Is that right? I've never been to Australia, but the company that I worked for is based in Australia and they have an office in San Francisco, California. Okay. I, I don't think I'll make it to Australia. <laughs> it is long. Um, I also saw on your CV that you list the following interests of surf travel and you in parentheses put Hawaii, Costa Rica, South Pacific Islands and French Polynesia. Have you been all to those places? Correct. By airplane? Yes. And your interests also include oceanography, uh, Hawaiian and Tahitian culture. Did you travel by air as a part of those interests? Correct. Okay. Thank you very much. It's easier for me to travel going that direction when it's a vacation. So there's, I think, just something interesting in terms of, you know, a, we can't assume that every person we talk to is telling the truth always. Mm. Again, I wanted to say this because I think it's so important for you to hear me say it. Joy's already repeated this. Um, I think Luke has as well. We're not saying, we're not saying that we know the truth, the full truth about the situation. I don't know what happened to Dr. Ford. I don't know if this is a false memory. I don't know if it actually did happen. I don't right. know if it was somebody else that did it. She thinks that Kavanaugh did it. I don't know. But I'm saying as Christians, we have to hold to God's standards in terms of how we receive accusations. And God tells us as priests and judges to actually really rigorously ask the witness the questions you're supposed to cross-examine and you do have to pay attention to these things even as pastors we have to do this when we sit down with people yeah. and there's conflict between brothers and sisters we have to ask hard questions we have to try to figure out is this person telling me the truth consistently is there an inconsistency in their story are they starting to actually try to make them themselves look better are they only giving you one side of the story that makes them look good and leaving out details that could incriminate them we have to ask these questions and so it's important i think when someone says i have a fear of flying but 
their schedule looks like a constant flying and flying everywhere, flying on vacation, flying across the country. You have to say, why would you say that? Why would you say have a fear mm. of flying when you do this files, all the time? I think it's uh, interesting. It's just, again, not pointing to actual total guilt. It's just something in terms of interrogation of the witness. Now, unless you guys have anything else you want to say, I'm going to play a clip that's actually pretty epic. Okay. Make no. sure everyone heard it. Okay. So this is oh. the famous one. Um, this is Lindsey Graham. I did enjoy this clip. Erupting at Kavanaugh's. Yeah hearing if you haven't heard it i think you should uh it was an epic moment that day where lindsey graham uh just kind of blew it are you aware that at 9:23 on the night of july the 9th the day you were nominated to the supreme court by president trump senator schumer said 23 minutes after your nomination i will oppose judge kavanaugh's nomination with everything i have I have a bipartisan, and I hope a bipartisan majority will do the same. The stakes are simply too high for anything less. Well, if you weren't aware of it, you are now. Did you meet with Senator Dianne Feinstein on August 20th? I did meet with Senator Feinstein. Did you know that her staff had already recommended a lawyer to Dr. Ford? I did not know that. Did you know that her and her staff had this allegations for over 20 days? I did not know that at the time. If you wanted an FBI investigation, you could have come to us. What you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open, and hope you win in 2020. You've said that, not me. You've got nothing to apologize for. When you see Sotomayor and Kagan, tell them that Lindsey said hello, because I voted for them. I would never do to them what you've done to this guy. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. And if you really wanted to know the truth, you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy. Are you a gang rapist? No. I cannot imagine what you and your family have gone through. Boy, y'all want power. God, I hope you never get it. I hope the American people can see through this sham that you knew about it and you held it. You had no intention of protecting Dr. Ford. None. She's as much of a victim as you are. God, I hate to say it because these have been my friends. But let me tell you, when it comes to this, you're looking for a fair process. You came to the wrong town at the wrong time, my friend. Do you consider this a job interview? The advice and consent role is like a job. You consider that you've been through a job interview. I've been through a process of advice and consent under the Constitution. Which Would you has, say you've been through hell? I, I've been through uh, hell and then some. This is not a job interview. Yeah. This is hell. This, this, this is going to destroy the ability of good people to come forward because of this crap. Your high school yearbook. You have interacted with professional women all your life, not one accusation. You're supposed to be Bill Cosby when you're a junior Who'd and senior Bill in high Cosby, school. When you grew up, Bill Cosby would become right. a pejorative. Oh, I know. Yeah. What's up, Bill Cosby, that it's now a pejorative? Yeah. Oh, you never would have imagined. I he grew up just, watching Cosby. The day before that, they handcuffed Cosby. Mm -hmm. So it was yeah. fresh. Oh, wow. Fresh yeah. in the mind. Yeah. yeah. 
So I just wanted to play that just so you guys, if you guys haven't been in it and you haven't been listening, you guys are at least sort of get caught up. But I guess my final word here is that it matters. It matters because these are real people, real lives. And you know what? It may affect you one day. We can say all day long, we can say, you know, Christians don't need to get involved in these things and on and on and on. I think God's word clearly states in Isaiah 42 as one example that the Messiah himself in his kingdom, in his rule in the world, on his throne, which he is now, is going to establish justice in the earth, that the law is going to come forth from Zion, Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah 42, he's going to establish, not not grow faint or weary until he does. You have ample examples in scripture of God actually in his redemptive kingdom, he's going to actually establish justice in the world, put every enemy under his feet as a footstool for his feet. He's going to reconcile all things to himself in heaven and on earth. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. So I think that justice is a is a component of what God is going to do in the world. But I want to say, if you say, I don't think we should get involved in those things, I want to say, it's easy to say that until you're standing before and a judge with someone making an accusation against you. Then you'll want God's standards of justice. Mm-hmm. Then you'll want it when it affects your loved one, when it affects a brother or sister at church who is being abused by a court system and being thrown into jail or having their life taken away from them, then will love for neighbor then cause you to say, we need God's standards here. Mm. We need God's standards. It matters a lot. People's lives get destroyed every day because of false accusations. Uh, Victims, victims get destroyed by a system that refuses to actually give true justice. And that's critical. We have both accused justice issues and victim justice issues both matter a great deal we want to care about both innocent until proven guilty and we want to say the victim deserves justice real justice not what we deal out today in Mm. terms of the state giving out three years probation for molestation or something like that you know we have justice handed out today that is nothing like god's standards of justice and i want to say Final word from me, and I'll give it over to you guys. I think that we need to take very seriously what God says to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy, read chapters four through six, where God says that this law that he's giving was supposed to cause the rest of the world to look in and say, wow, what kind of God is this? What kind of nation that has a God so near to it as this and laws just as these? Um, that's what God says about his law. It's how he feels. If you want to know how God feels about his law and how I believe he wants us to feel about his law, read Psalm 119. Mm. No big deal. Just the longest chapter in the entire Bible that happens to be about the law of God. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, God have mercy on our nation. (laughs) Yes. I mean, this is, it's, it's tragic where, where we've, where we're at now. And I don't know if this is a sign of God's judgment and grace on us, but the president can know. Uh, privately text all of us at one time. Trump can text every one of our cell phones. So, I'm actually really excited about that. <laughs> I want to see uh, what's going to happen. I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's God's mercy or judgment, but it's going to uh, be rich. Lord, please have mercy on our nation. Yeah. Amen. Yep. So if you guys want to hear more from Joy, you can listen to Joy and Summer on Sheologians.com. You can also go watch stuff and listen to stuff at ApologiaStudios.com. Encourage all of you to go to ApologiaStudios.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. Go there, check out all the episodes, go there, sign up for all access, partner with us in ministry. You get access to all the TV shows, all the after shows, including Apologia Academy, and more important than that, You'll be partnering with Apologia Church as we bring the gospel around the entire world. I just want to share one thing with you. We have gotten over the last week 
um, messages from people that have come out of Mormonism, who have come out of atheism. I saw such an encouraging message under one of our videos. I, I don't usually spend time going through the, the messages because I want to keep my sanity, but I happened to see one, and it was a man who said that his child is alive today because of Apologia uh, mm. Studios' content. They saw the content, it turned them away from abortion, and now their daughter, his daughter, is alive today. And I want to say that only happens in terms of the means, because people just like you partner with us on a regular basis by becoming all access. Yep. You make everything we do possible. You make it possible for Daniel and Carmen in the tech room to build content and send it out around the world every single day. So you're a part of this with, a part of this with us. Thank you for it very, very much. All right, guys, Luke the Bear. Peace out. Enjoy the girl. See ya. I'm Jeff the Ninja. We will catch you next time on Apologia Radio.